Welcome to the College Church Sabbath School Podcast, where each week Pastor Anar Ram and Elder Roger Prather will be diving into the weekly lesson from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The congregation at the College Church has made it their motto to love, grow, and serve. We really want to learn to love more, grow more, and serve more. It is our hope that through these conversations, we can learn to better serve our congregation, our local community, and the world. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you are blessed with today's conversation. Hello, this is Pastor Aina Ram, and I'm bringing to you the College Church Sabbath School podcast for lesson number nine. It's for December, the lesson is for December 25 to December 1. And today's a little bit different because um, the person I was going to record with uh, had an emergency come up, a family emergency, and we kind of have a little bit of a deadline. So we are going to go solo today as we look at this important lesson. So bear with me. Thank you for your long suffering and let us see where the Lord leads. So let's pray as we get started. Father in heaven, we want to pray that uh, you will be with us as we are nearing the end of this lesson series about God's mission is my mission. And Lord, help us to make this real and palatable and a driving force in our lives. I want to pray that as we look at these familiar stories, that you will bring to our minds, to our hearts, the things we really need to know about a subject that we rarely often don't even touch. Please be with us in this discussion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the lesson title is Mission to the Powerful. And I think we could say Mission to the Rich and Powerful. This we're looking at people who are the 1% or maybe even the 5 or top 10% or or 20% of the of the economic status of of uh, in our case United States of America. It's interesting how so often we can find ourselves blessed, but there is still something missing, still something missing there. And a person may be blessed with a large house, many homes, uh, being able to fly uh, first class or maybe even have a private plane. But it's like at the end of the day, we all still put our heads on the pillow and... Um, drift off to sleep and have these moments of wondering what is life about? Where does it take us? What is the purpose of it? And so we're going to take a quick look here at some key Bible stories. One of them, of course, is the story of Nebuchadnezzar. You'll find it in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 4. And Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. We're familiar with this. Basically, I'm going to really sum up quickly. He, people couldn't understand it, or his uh, magicians, enchanters, and astrologers didn't understand it. Finally, Daniel comes through, and Nebuchadnezzar gave him the name Belteshazzar, but uh, we're going to call him Daniel. And uh, he tells the dream to Daniel. Daniel, of course, interprets the dream and tells him what it means. Unfortunately, Nebuchadnezzar does not have a change of course, does not have a change of heart. Even though he's been given warning, he proceeds and he persists. The result is seven years of essentially living like an animal. And 
after the seven years, he does come to his senses and he does realize his, the error of his ways. It says in verse 34, At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. And then he goes into this almost a praise. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does what he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor returned to me from the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles brought me out and I was restored to my throne and became greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt the and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble what a testimony of a man who had literally had it all refused to essentially bow and be humbled in the presence of god and then god brought him down and we see here he's acknowledging the goodness of god the greatness and the, 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 the power of God. He comes back better, stronger than he was before, but he does admit, hey, let's glorify the king of heaven and let us walk with a humble heart. Now, what's interesting is, as we look at this story, what's the takeaway? When you look through the lens of our quarterly here, as far as God's mission, my mission, God cares about everybody. When I look at the story, I'm seeing there's Nebuchadnezzar. He has a seven-year time of, let's call it, exile. But Daniel, Daniel is still there. And Daniel won't turn his back on Nebuchadnezzar. And it's interesting that it would be so easy to do that, just to write somebody off. Seven years is a good amount of time. It's a good long time. But he hangs in there with him. And what's so powerful about this is the importance of relationship. And sometimes we may sit with somebody for seven minutes, seven hours, or in this case, seven years. And uh, just to be there with that person. Of course, Daniel had his life. He was doing other things. But I'm sure there was somebody always on on Daniel's mind. And of course, that somebody is Nebuchadnezzar. So then the, the lesson takes us into the story of Naaman. So Naaman is a guy who ends up, of course, he has a problem. He finds himself with a case of leprosy. And what happens? He feels like life is kind of coming to an, it's to an end. And he cries out for help. And the help comes in form of somebody. We don't really know her name. She tells him about a god. God that can help him. And of course, what happens? It's a story there in, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, 17 through 19. Um, and he wants to, how should we say it, pay for the, uh, pay for the, uh, the blessings, but uh, God won't, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Anyway, make a long story short, uh, Naaman 
is told about this, uh, about how to deal with the problem. And again, we see somebody who was present at the right place at the right time. And again, this person has no name, and we one day will hopefully meet this, this person. And again, there is the importance of being present. You know, there's a metaphor often is have a seat at the table. Have a seat at the table. Are you there? And so often we don't find ourselves in, in places like these. And um, we really need to be. We need to be. And Jesus died for every single one of us. And uh, case in point would be, of course, the story of Jesus with Nicodemus. And that is a story we're all all very familiar with. It's John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And what happens here is this guy named Nicodemus. He was respected. He had wealth because we know he helps. He has power. He's later on in the Gospel of John. John seems to be the one who's the main person who's recording the story of Nicodemus. And what does he do? He meets at night. Now, it's interesting that Nicodemus wanted to meet at night. And it's almost as if he's doing sort of a calculated risk assessment. Is it worth meeting with Jesus? The answer is yes. However, I need to do it on my terms. It's interesting how it's almost like we today say there's two things you don't talk about politics and religion. And, you know, that's the dinner table when you're with guests. It's almost as if that's part of the narrative here. Don't talk about religion, but Nicodemus is just too curious. So he meets with Jesus and he begins with a compliment. We know that you've come from God. And um, it says, because you perform all these miracles. And Jesus sort of shifts the conversation. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And, of course, Nicodemus is thinking literally, how can that happen? You can't enter the womb a second time. And Jesus says, no, we're talking about not being born of this kingdom, but being born of the water of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. And it says, the wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so that makes Nicodemus curious. Ask a question. Now, it's interesting how sometimes when we witness to people, we maybe don't come up for air. We just keep talking, 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 talking. But Jesus is, I don't want to be melodramatic, but he's pretty smart. And he does he says something that doesn't shut Nicodemus down. He doesn't shut him down with like, oh, this is too much for me. This is not what I wanted. He's sharing something just enough to make him curious, curious to ask. And there's a lot to be said here about how to witness to all classes, the educated, the wealthy, the poor, um, everybody, and to say, Nicodemus says, how can this be? And there's, it's easy to see witnessing when it's going on. And there's a moment there, a sad moment, when sometimes a person will sort of shut down. They're still looking. They're maybe smiling, gesturing. 
but inside something was turned off. And there's a lot to be said here about duration, amount, and tone, and piquing somebody's curiosity. And, and it's easy for us to look at witnessing like, here's an instruction manual. It has 66 books. Here it is. But really, the Bible is full of stories. What we're doing when we witness it is, in a way, making a story or tapping into somebody's story. And Jesus, again, is tapping into the life of Nicodemus. Jesus doesn't come to him with a list of religious things to do. He goes into more... It's a, does he, doesn't approach, he doesn't approach this like a, like a science. He does like an art. What is this whole thing about being born of the water and the spirit? What do you mean by the, 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 the wind blows wherever it pleases? And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. It's like he doesn't, Jesus could have said, okay, Nicodemus, you know, you know all your sins, that lamb that you've been, you've been, you've slayed a fewer share of lambs, that lamb represents me. And I am come from heaven, and Jesus could have said all this. And, and uh, those sins for the last thousands of years will be put on my, me in three days. I'll be crucified three days later. I'll be resurrected because we will also have victory over not just sin, but over death. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't just say, pause the Old Testament scroll and say, look, here's... Uh, uh, here's his prophecies all the way from the Garden of Eden when said the, the descendant of, of Eve would crush the serpent's head. He doesn't do that. In this case, he does something different. It's almost as if he's plowing new territory here. And he's adapting his witnessing to this situation, to what would really pique somebody's interest. And that's important. So often we approach witnessing like, a dump truck, and we've got a full load of dirt, and we back up, and when we're in the right spot, we pull the lever, the, the part tips back, dump the load, then we are off on our way. Jesus doesn't do that. It's a conversation with question and answers. And, of course, what's so powerful about this story is that it comes to our favorite go-to text, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Again, when you look at what we have written in John 3, Jesus isn't giving, you know, you know, one-hour sermon, another one-hour sermon. He's not even giving a five-minute sermon. These are like three, four, five sentences. Then Nicodemus asks, how can this be? And then it continues on and ultimately coming to the point of John 3, 16. I think that's important to realize that there is no one formulaic way to witness. There's many ways to witness. And there's an old saying that kind of applies to this. The mind can absorb what the seat can endure. And what we're seeing here, Jesus knows this. He knows that probably Nicodemus is looking over his shoulder, maybe making sure that nobody's seeing who he's hanging out with. 
Also, it's late at night. Eventually, Nicodemus would probably like to get some sleep. So, he's, as I see, he's almost like he's pacing this encounter. And pacing it just the right way so that Nicodemus will want a little bit more. And there's something to be said about that and uh, how God works with people. Now, it's interesting when you read through um, John 7 and John 19, you see very clearly that the relationship between Nicodemus and, and Jesus continue on and on and on. So um, it's important uh, just to acknowledge that. Then the lesson on Wednesday um, on Matthew goes, takes us to Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22. Or the story of the rich man who comes to Jesus and what good thing must I do to have eternal life? And I believe we've touched on this before. And again, Jesus comes back with a question. By the way, Jesus asked over, I think it was 300 questions. I think maybe it was 305 questions in his ministry. So that tells us a lot about uh, God, how he operates, and that he's not just a list of propositions that he gives to us and and with a period and says, okay, this is what I want, this is what I expect of you. He's asking questions. So Jesus does that with Nicodemus and leads Nicodemus, I'm sorry, not Nicodemus, the rich young ruler, and uh, he asks a question, well, which ones? But Jesus says, you got to keep the commandments, which ones? And Jesus answers, and, and he says, hey, I've kept all these, what do I lack? And he says, go sell everything, sell your possessions, give them to the poor, then you have treasure in, in heaven and follow me. And the story goes on, and because, unfortunately, verse 22, the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Um, it's important to realize that sometimes we may ask a question, and we really aren't ready for the truth. Not prepared for it. How badly do you want to know? Because right after this, Jesus says, hey, it's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so that's the sad part about this situation, is people may have all that they want, all that they want, but they don't have the one thing that they need. And what they need is to stop focusing on their wants and look at what's really important. That is a radical shift for anyone in thinking because um, when you have spent your whole life, or he's a young man, many years of your life focusing on me, 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 takes a little bit of time to shift on over. So... And, and it, we may not be emotionally and spiritually equipped to do so. That doesn't stop Jesus from telling this man what is the truth. It's important to realize. And what's also so remarkable here is what I'm seeing is the hospitality of Jesus. Now in Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, 1 through 10, story of Zacchaeus. And it's almost like this is a counterpoint to the one the story we just read. Because with the story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, of course, was a little man, wee little man, we know the story, he goes up in a tree to see Jesus. Jesus comes along and he says, looks him up, looks up at, at Zacchaeus, which 
it's just kind of a bizarre situation because climbing trees, he's a grown man, a wealthy man. He's climbing a tree. He's already shown his cards. He says, hey, I want to get to know this Jesus guy. So Jesus, of course, we know his story well, looks up to him. He says, I got to come to your house. And that, to me, is a very, very important part of this week's lesson. Jesus' willingness to connect with and even stay with, fellowship with people of all classes, including the wealthy. And so he invites himself over to the house of Zacchaeus. And uh, this is so moving to him because what's going on here? Zacchaeus probably has his own circle of friends and they don't, for the most part, include good, moral, upstanding citizens or people of, 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 of Israel. Somebody now who is a good, upstanding person, Jesus has a good reputation, actually wants to hang out with Jesus. And the story goes through, it's pretty amazing stuff what's going on here, but where it's important is just to realize that Jesus wanted to be with this man. So with that, just want to touch on Matthew 27. And, and again, it's this ministry of presence, being there, hanging up, or hanging out with people and, and um, spending time with them. And otherwise, we have no, we have no real connection with the person. We must always remember that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, the entire world, everyone in it. And that's the, the poor, the rich, the educated, the unrich. And um, we are not, we are called to be the light to the entire world. And it's important to remember that as we often face challenges, and we may be intimidated by approaching someone who is, quote, rich and powerful, how do we share the gospel with them? Fact of the matter is, is at the end of the day, we are all people. We all need our sleep. We all need food. We all need companionship. We all need a roof over our heads. And we all have basic, basic needs. So let's keep that in mind as we look at people in our society, whether they be, uh, as I said, rich or, or, or poor, whether they be powerful or completely uh, disconnected that everyone needs the hope. Everyone needs to understand there's a God who loves them, who cares about them, and who loves them so much that he came to this world just to save even just one person. So on that note, let me just have a quick prayer for us. Father in heaven, thank you for the fact that you do indeed love all of us. You love the entire world. And Lord, help us to not have blinders on, help us to not be partial, Help us to not run from uncomfortable situations, but to lean into them and to bring the light, bring the salt to whatever situation we may find ourselves. So thank you for the fact that's exactly what heaven has done for us and that we are the beneficiaries of the fact that Christ, the light of the universe, has come into this world and that we have indeed been blessed. Please. Be with us as we go forth from here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining this podcast and for bearing with just one of me here. And, and um, I hope this has been a blessing. 
and let us go forth and share the good news. If you are looking for a community, have some questions about the discussion, or would like to participate in a live Sabbath School class, please join us every Saturday at 10 a.m. for Sabbath School and 11.15 for our worship service at 337 Main Street, South Lancaster, Massachusetts. This has been a production by the College Church's Communication slash Media Ministry. If you were blessed by this podcast, please like, follow, and subscribe. Join us next week for another lesson and let us all remember to love more, grow more, and serve more.